Hello and welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't. My name is Marta and my partner in podcast here is... Megan. Hey. Uh, so welcome back. Did I already say welcome back? I think you said <laughs> if you didn't say it again. <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome back. Uh, I'm We're a little tired, so yeah, bear with us. This might be a funny episode. But today we're talking about mental health and self-care. Um, this is a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts because Megan and I both I think are empaths like you think I'm an empath yeah I totally think you're an empath are you kidding whenever I vent to you you're so like you you do a good job at empathic responses um isn't an empath being able to tell what another person is feeling I think I I have empathy but I thought an empath was like an actual I watch a lot of Star Trek and one of the characters is an empath. So that's maybe where I There's take it from. There's a going through my head right now. One, I should have researched this before saying the word empath. <laughs> Two, I feel like an idiot. Don't worry. You're not. Three, I'm pr- I feel like an empath would be just somebody who easily feels empathy for people who are struggling. struggling, struggling. Well, in that case, yeah, I think I would qualify. Cool. Yeah, word. All right. I actually think that you're an empath. I think that you're pretty good at recognizing other people's um, feelings. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm feelings literate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the- apologies in advance, listeners. It's uh, <laughs> it's late in the day. We're, we're, we're crushing it. We're, we're cr- yeah, we're crushing it. Absolutely, we are. We're going to get a second wind. Yeah. And it's going to be great. It's going to be at the end of the episode and we'll be <laughs> rambling. Okay, so mental health and self-care. This is very important to both of us uh, because I feel like people don't focus on this enough. People focus on their physical health. Um, like when your body's not working properly, it's kind of an easy thing to notice that your body's not working properly and so you try to fix it. But when people's brains don't work properly, they ignore it like it's crazy i think also uh society or like like other people in your life are uh quicker to recognize and appreciate when you have physical impairments mm-hmm. uh, like being being sick or you know having like a disability or something like that but if you are having mental health issues like if you have a mental illness or if you are just having trouble with your mental health at the time it's or less, not taking care of it acceptable. yeah it's less acceptable as a reason for not feeling great mm-hmm. yeah yeah and just at the start uh before we go any further i just wanted to talk about the the terms mental health and mental illness Uh, so normally like I've used these terms interchangeably in the past or just kind of like as different sides of the same coin. And Megan, you mentioned that you have to, yeah, my research felt like my research for this episode and for our previous episode on, um, mood disorders really felt like both terms were used pretty interchangeably. Yeah. And so I just wanted to talk about it, my perceived difference between these two. Um, also through my training, cause I mentioned, I think in our previous episode, yeah, that I, I think volunteer. you yeah, at a distress center. Uh, and during my training for the distress center, one of our facilitators was very um, emphatically stating that there is a difference between mental health and mental illness. And the way she described this is physical health and physical illness. So when you're, your body can be more or less healthy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're ill. So you can, your body could be not functioning at its peak performance. So it's less healthy, but you don't have cancer. Like, so 
illnesses are things like depression. Illnesses are things like anxiety or uh, antisocial personality disorder or whatever. Like those are disorders or illnesses, but um, mental health is something that's more flexible, not necessarily diagnosable. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be sticking to these discrete things. It's just like a different way to look at it, that mental health is something that's not binary. It's not like you're either healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. And it's like, it's ongoing. Like you, you can have periods of good and bad mental health, just like one could have periods of good and bad physical health. Yeah. 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 And also I just think that it's important for everybody societally to talk about mental health and like coping, for example, doesn't come naturally to everybody. And like, it's a known fact that kids and teenagers just don't have the kinds of coping coping mechanisms that adults do because they haven't lived as much life as adults have. So different people don't learn how to cope with certain situations that arise when they're like, oh, well, other people can handle this properly and I can't. Why not? It's because you've never had to handle it before. Mm-hmm. And so you've never learned those skills. So there is no shame. I, I partially because I talk so much and like I have no shame just like <laughs> on my own. But like I tend to tell people when I'm struggling with stuff like and Megan and I, we work together. And I remember when I started working at our organization I would come to her and I'd be like hey you gave me this feedback and I'm having a hard time accepting it I feel badly about this feedback or is there a different way that you could give me this feedback or something so I I want everybody to be as not maybe don't like talk about your feelings as much as me because you might not be <laughs> comfortable with that but like feel as little stigma about it yeah yeah, yeah I think that's a good way of putting it feel as little stigma about it yeah, and that's my that's my opening ramble. That's your opening ramble. All right, cool. About mental health and why it's important. Sweet. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the way that we sort of divvied up this episode for this week is I'm going to be talking about uh, like helping yourself, so mental health from like a personal perspective um, and like introspective. And uh, Marta is going to take the other side of that. She's going to talk about mental health of others, like helping how to help others or, mm-hmm. or how to recognize another person is having trouble. Um, so we'll start with helping yourself. So uh, for some background, your mental health, it is affected by obviously numerous factors like the stress of balancing work with your personal health, with relationships, um, personal interests. Um, Mental health involves how we feel, think, act, and interact with the world around us. It's about realizing your potential, uh, coping with normal stresses of life, and making a contribution to your community. Good mental health is not about avoiding problems or trying to achieve a perfect life. It's about living well and feeling capable despite challenges. So like accepting that there are hard times and finding balance there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental health is also bigger than the presence or absence of a mental illness. Um, People who live with a mental illness can thrive uh, and they do thrive just like people without a mental illness may experience really poor mental health. Um, everyone's path to mental health and well-being is is unique because we all have our own goals, our own challenges, our own talents, and our own support systems. So um, in the end, you, you do have to find what works best for you. Um, poor mental health can have uh, 
again, obviously, uh, an, a significant impact on a person's life. Like people who experience mental illness may doubt their own abilities or, um, and like be less confident. You might have a hard time concentrating, learning, uh, making decisions I find is, is something that people with poor, poor mental health have a lot of difficulty with. Symptoms of a mental illness may feed much bigger thoughts. Uh, For example, someone who can't concentrate may then also think that they can't do their job well or worry about losing their job. Mm -hmm. Um, All of this can affect a person's performance at work or behaviors with their friends and family. And people who experience a mental illness may withdraw from others, act in an unexpected way, take a lot of time off or appear less productive than usual. Um, So... Some descriptions and examples of mental illnesses, Uh, health professionals divide mental illnesses into many different groups based on different signs and symptoms, common groups, uh, many of these, by the way, we've talked about in the last couple of episodes, anxiety disorders, uh, which is uh, one of the most common mental illnesses, and it creates a lot of barriers in a person's life, like panic disorders or phobias, Um, mood disorder, uh, mood disorders affects your sort (laughs) of just sort of um affects your mood how you feel uh and really every part of a person's life like long feelings of feeling sad hopeless tired numb uh often well not often but uh unusually high moods of power or energy so examples of this would be depression and bipolar like we talked about in our last episode Mm -hmm. um eating disorders which are really not about food they are complicated illnesses that are really more about ways to cope with other difficult problems or trying to regain a sense of control in one's life um it might mean like seriously restricting how much food you eat binging purging or overeating and uh, someone suffering from uh, an eating disorder often has a very skewed sense of their own appearance. Like it affects your sense of identity, worth, and self-esteem. Um, psychotic disorders affect a person's understanding of reality, like schizophrenia. Um, personality disorders, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, like pat- this would be like patterns of thoughts, feelings, behaviors uh, that last a long time and create challenges in somebody's life, like develop, or pardon me, like difficulty developing healthy and satisfying relationships with others or managing your emotions. So some examples of this would be borderline personality disorder or psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Um, and childhood disorders. So there's a large group of mental illnesses that start to affect people when they are very young, Um, though some people aren't actually diagnosed until they're much older. And a good example of this is ADHD. Yep. Yep. Um, so maintenance and upkeep, um, if you are, if you are suffering with anything, uh, with a mental illness or, or just mental health trouble, um, some, some maintenance tactics to keep in mind, uh, be really rude and interrupt. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, in the previous episode we said, well, I said that I learned, well, I was told to say not suffering, but living with. Yes. And I think that for this episode, at least if we're talking about like relieving the stigma, you don't have to be like, you're not necessarily suffering. You're just living with. Yeah. You may be suffering or you may be coping. Yeah. 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 Like at times, for example, I've before I've not reached out for help because I was like, well, I'm not suffering. 
I'm just struggling. It's not to that degree. Yeah. So it's or like yeah. I'm living with this burden, but I'm not suffering. So I guess I'm just being nitpicky. But. No, no, I think that's important. And like if the end goal of this is to sort of change the conversation or, you know, um, remove stigma, then you should be conscious of that. And I apologize. Oh, no, that's just anyway. Food yeah. for thought. No, no. Good. Cool. That's cool. So um, if you are living with a mental illness or mental health trouble, uh, it's important to build a healthy self-esteem. So this means more than just seeing your good qualities. It's about being able to see all of your abilities and your weaknesses together, accepting them and doing your best with what you, um, with that basically. Recognize your talents and your abilities, use them to follow your goals and interests without comparing yourself to others. Um, all of us have positive and negative attributes and we build confidence by developing our weaker areas and regularly reminding ourselves of things that we're comfortable with and that we're proud of. Mm -hmm. um, another important point is to build positive support networks, whether that means building relationships with your family members, with friends, with other supporters in your lives, good with, relationships take effort with podcasters, with podcasters. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it takes courage to reach out and it takes time to build trust, but social support is a really important part of everyone's mental health. Um, people within our networks can offer a lot of different kinds of support, be it emotional support, practical help, or just an alternate point of view when you need it. That um, resonates with me so much. Like the whole social support thing, yeah. that's what keeps me afloat. Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. Um, like look for your family, look to your family members, to your, to your friends, to your neighbors, uh, coworkers or classmates, faith communities or, um, clubs or support groups, make time for it. Um, make time to just be with the people who are important in your life. Uh, make time to have fun and enjoy other people's company and make time for serious conversations. Um, get involved with things that matter to you or that give you feelings of purpose or satisfaction. Um, it's, it's important to realize that we, that you, uh, make a difference, whether those efforts are, are really big or small, connect in your community, connect with people who share similar interests or values. It's a good way to build new support systems, um, connect with groups that you might not normally meet. Um, it can be a really great way to build confidence as well, to learn new skills or like, again, change your perspective when you need it. Um, see your experiences in a different way. Um, volunteer, go to like a community event. When I first moved here, I went to the Legion craft sale a couple blocks away and I got super fucking excited by it. And so I met sweet. people who were really excited that I had moved here from Toronto. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it just like set me on such a high for making a kind of scary life change. So yeah, do it, get out there. Um, build resiliency. Uh, what that means is coping well with problems, stress, or other difficult situations. Um, it's a normal part of life and like, like difficult situations, I mean, is a normal part of life. And resiliency is what helps you look at the situation realistically, take action with what you can affect change for, and let go of things that you can't change. That um, actually reminds me of something. I was listening to an episode of Savvy Psychologist. I'll bring Dr. Ellen Hendricks yeah, Hendrickson back here. Um, She's a smart lady. She is a very smart lady. Uh, she had an episode about the, I think it was like the seven beliefs of emotionally healthy people. 
Um, and one of them was resilience, like that you even like believe in yourself that you can handle things like believe in yourself that you can handle stressors that like things will be shit and you'll be breathing on the other side. Yeah. 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 So that, that was also a really good episode. If you guys list, want to listen to it, I think it's called the seven beliefs of emotionally help healthy people. And the podcast is the savvy psychologist. Yeah. 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 So uh, part of the quick and dirty tips series, like mm-hmm. they have a grammar girl, they have like tips for finances or whatever. But this one, Savvy Psychologist talks about, like, there's other episodes, of course, as well, but, like, that help you with your mental health or, like, things that you can focus on. And resilience is something that people don't think about. No. Like, hardiness is something that people don't think about, but it's, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Um, Like, problem solving. Uh, Balancing, learning to balance your obligations and expectations. Uh, Again, developing support networks. You you build yourself a resilience or you can build yourself a resilience toolkit if you're really having trouble. Um, so this could include people who can help you during difficult situations, a list of strategies that have worked for you in the past, and just kind of keep that list on hand to use as a reminder when you need help. And it's a good way to see where you might want to build new skills or supports as well. Um, learn to recognize your emotions and be okay with them. Um, your emotional well-being is not about being happy all the time. Like, again, like I've mentioned a couple of other times, uh, feeling sad or angry or anxious is human. Like you will, you will feel these things and emotional well-being means expressing those emotions in a way that respects you and everyone like bottling up your feelings doesn't respect your own experiences and lashing out because you're angry doesn't respect others. So you need to recognize what influences your emotions, discover how emotions affect the way you think or act, um, taking action when an emotional response isn't helpful and learning to accept all of your emotions, even more difficult ones. Um, Identify how to deal with your moods, like find out what makes you happy or sad or angry or calm. Um, Learn ways to deal with those moods, like physical exercises. I think we've mentioned in every episode in this sort of mental health series. Physical exercises king. Yeah, it's it can really help you deal with your anger or anxiety or Mm -hmm. um, just like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I've had a few times in my life where I just feel this like thing in my chest like it's a really physical manifestation of however I'm feeling in my head and I just need to burst out of it and running is is what I do when I feel those things and it's like a way to let yourself burst out of your body I whip pillows oh shit (laughs) when I'm really angry (laughs) um if I'm anxious I will just practice mindfulness like I'll go and breathe Hmm. And like actually just like focusing on breathing sounds kind of hokey. Like people would be like, well, I never worked all the time. Yeah. But it's yeah, you breathe all the time. But do you focus on breathing all the time? Actually, I have something. um, So there's but if I'm feeling like if I'm feeling kind of anxious, breathing helps me a lot. And that's the first thing that I turn to. But if I'm feeling sometimes I get like really crippling like existential anxiety where I'm like I'm doing nothing with my life and everything is shit and whatever um one of my friends posted about this on Facebook that it helps him to reconnect with the physical world oh wow and I'm just gonna like quickly go over 
because yeah. they mentioned this also in my training. So I have like a five, like a list and a good way to do this is a five, four, three, two, one game. So take, find five, th- name five things that you can see. So like actually open your eyes and like look at a computer monitor and be like, that's a computer monitor. That's a lamp. That's a microphone. That's a blanket. Like actually like identifying the individual things forces you to get out of your own circular thought pattern and like re-engage with the physical world. Um, four things that you can feel. So like touch the blanket and be like, this is soft and like scratch your nails against your hand and be like, this is a feeling of scratching again. It like gets you connected. And that's something that I do. Like if I'm laying in bed, that's the one that that's the main one that I focus on. If I'm laying in bed and I'm feeling like I'm spiraling in anxious thoughts, I'm, I squeeze my covers and I'm like, these are soft covers. Like it's weird to get like kind of infantile about it. Be like, this is a squishy pillow or whatever, but it, really helps um three things that you can hear so if it's if it's at night you can hear your furnace going or you can hear your clock ticking or your heart beating or you hear like your house breathing or whatever that sound is yeah when your house creaks yeah um two is smells or lack thereof i struggle with finding smells like because you usually get nose blindness once you're in a place so whatever um and then one good thing about yourself so be like okay i managed to catch my anxiety and stop it there. So that's something that really helps me, especially the four things that you can feel. Touching things is a good way to reconnect. Um, and it's a good coping mechanism. It doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you. It's just a good way to like ground yourself and that's good mental health. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no. Uh, I'm very excited. Is it an interruption if it's perfectly relevant to the point? I mean, probably yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's great. That's a really good tip. Um, Another, uh, I, I don't use this as much as I used to, but, um, music can be a really important source of calm. Girl. Um, yeah, it can also be uplifting. Um, though I have to say if you're bummed, don't play sad music. (laughs) Every single song ever has either been written for falling in love or out of love. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you if you listen to our sense and perception series, I think it was the first episode we did. Uh, we covered hearing. Um, music has a can really have a big effect on your emotions. So, like, you maybe don't want to bum yourself out more if you're already bummed out. Although I have to say, sometimes you do need a good cry. Beyonce's "I Am Sasha Fierce" album, <laughs> like it's two albums, and that carried me through a devastating high school breakup. Oh, and he, the guy that broke up with me, had actually given me that CD. Oh, but like, man, guys, me and Beyonce, like that's when I like fell in love with with Queen Beyonce. B. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I am Sasha Fierce. <laughs> <laughs> Music is yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Take care of your spiritual well being. Uh, whatever that means for you, whoever you are, whatever it means for you. Um, this means really like knowing yourself, understanding your values, learning to be at peace with who you are. It involves finding and connecting to something bigger than ourselves and living with purpose. Um, spirituality can give meaning and solace and help you overcome challenges and and also build connections with others. Um, for some people, spirituality means religion, but it doesn't have to mean religion if that's not it what it means for you. Um, It's really about how you feel inside. Um, I was having this conversation with Taylor. I forget who we were talking about, but but it's somebody who's like uh, 
atheists, like they're they're not religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for them, they were talking about death and that like they didn't like they don't believe that there's something afterwards. Um, but they would be with somebody who who had passed. And like even though they don't think that you live on or whatever, it's like, okay, well, we'll be there together. And like it's okay that there means nothing. That's sweet. Yeah. So like it can mean a lot of things. It doesn't have to mean believing in a God or anything like that. I'm not particularly, well, not particularly, not at all religious, but I would consider myself a spiritual person. Yeah. So yeah, I would probably say the same thing. I don't really like have a, like I sometimes have trouble with the higher power, like believing in something bigger than yourself. Although like for me, a lot of times that's just nature and the wheel. Um, yeah, not Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, no, it's all about the wheel. Um, no, the wheel is like, have you ever read the book Tuck Everlasting? Uh-huh. It's a great book. It's, I, I believe it would be considered young adult fiction, but it's a really good book, even if you're a grown up. I thought you um, hated YA. No. Is that you? Are you kidding YA? me? I love YA. Somebody read I The Giver hates- and read Tuck Everlasting and you'll understand my... Obsession. spiritual approach to life. Oh, okay. Um, neither of them are religious in any way, but read those two books and that's how I feel about Maybe it's Georgia who what hates it YA. Means. Maybe. Because um, I, I asked both of you guys for book recommendations. I, there is a Harry Potter blanket hanging right here. There's multiple Harry Potter memorial. Harry uh, Potter doesn't count as YA. Harry Potter is all ages. Is it? Oh, I think in it's... In my eyes. Like, okay. In my heart. Sorry. I agree with you. <laughs> sorry, we're Harry we Potter did. is forever. We did uh, this. Sorry, no, but truly, Tuck Everlasting. Yes, um, it's it's very good. And one of the main characters towards the end, when he's kind of like trying to explain it um, to somebody, he uh, talks about a wheel on a cart uh, creating a rut in a road. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it very good, but I believe in the wheel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Connect with yourself. (laughs) Give yourself quality time alone. Breathe. Do something you love. Whatever it is, just work on being at peace with with you. Squeeze that blanket. Squeeze that blanket. Kiss that frog. It's a Peter Gabriel reference for you. (laughs) Um, I want to switch focus away from some more positive things and talk about warning signs. Uh, So... Everybody feels nervous or worried sometimes, and that kind of stress or anxiety can actually be helpful. Um, it, it's very normal, but it can actually be helpful when when you're feeling it, like it can motivate you, it can warn you of danger, it can, you know, whatever, it gets your juices going. Um, but it becomes disordered when it causes unexpected or unhelpful anxiety that seriously impacts your life, um, including how you think, feel, or act. So some examples would be uh, low self-esteem or poor body image. Difficulty dealing with stress, nervousness, uh, apathy, withdrawal or isolation, like just socially or a general loss of interest in others, a drop in functioning. So what like uh, like grades dropping, work productivity or like the um, quality of what you produce, uh, quitting sports, failing classes. Um, that's what I mean by drop in functioning. Mm-hmm. Um Problems thinking, like poor concentration, poor memory, or difficulty with like logical thought, feeling disconnected, uh, changes in sleep or appetite, 
dramatic sleep and appetite changes or decline in personal care. Uh, really, I think we've, again, talked about this in every single episode, mental health problems can have very physical manifestations. Depression and anxiety can cause feelings of like, like, like you're physically, you're sweating, you're shaking, you're nauseous, you're having panic attacks, your your diet changes, or you neglect your personal hygiene, pay attention to those things. Digestive issues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I... IBS, for example, uh, a lot of times is a stress-related illness, and it's just sort of like your your body reacting to that. Because yeah. the your gut flora is really important, <laughs> um, and it changes. Like if you have an imbalance in your gut flora, it can actually kind of have a part in causing depression. Really. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I would weird. have thought it would be the other way around. There's both. So when you're stressed, you release a lot of cortisol. And so that fucks with your gut flora. Um, Is that what that thing from the last episode about the saliva cortisol in the late afternoon? It could be. Yeah. could be related. But also the adverse is true. So if you're eating really poorly, it fucks with your gut flora. And your gut flora has a lot to do with how your chemicals, like how the chemicals of your body work and how oh, your wow. hormones secrete and stuff like that. So... It's all connected. It is all connected. Yeah. Um, Changes in mood. So that would be like rapid or dramatic shifts in your feelings and like uncharacteristic feelings like anxiety, anger, uh, especially if persistent, gravitating towards suicidal thoughts or thoughts of self-harm, a change in personality, like like acting like a different person or like feeling that it's hard to describe, but that like feeling of knowing that something's not quite right, Um, a lack of self-care or risky behavior. Uh, So it can be very hard to come to terms with these things. And it's also hard to get over many of the other hurdles that would be standing in your way of reaching out for help, uh, like a fear of stigma or feeling shame or worrying that people won't believe you or or they'll think that you're weak. Or um, for me, a big part of it was always just not really being able to admit to your, myself uh, that I that I didn't have control over those things anymore, that I didn't have control over those situations or that I needed help. I think that's the biggest one. And that's why there's such a huge like shift towards people talking about mindfulness and meditation and just like being mindful yeah. of yourself, your feelings, your emotions, like honor them, admit to yourself. Yeah. 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 Be at peace with them. Um and and don't pretend that these things aren't problems. That was another thing for me. Like I, I couldn't admit to myself that uh, I didn't have control, and therefore, like it wasn't a problem if I didn't, if I was still in control. Versus with me, I'm like, I'm always feeling out of control, <laughs> and I'm always like, something's wrong with me. Like, well, I'm not. Like, I don't. I guess I don't overreact, but like, I'm very quick to be like, okay, I'm not coping, or like, I'm not dealing well. It it tends to be. I tend to be a little bit like self-deprecating, I guess, too much so, but because I'm self-deprecating, I never, I'm never like, oh no, I'm handling things just fine. Instead, I'm like, I'm out of control. <laughs> Somebody needs I'm, to help I'm me. I'm the opposite. I'm like, uh, I don't know that I'm a type A person, but I'm like, a, I'm in control and like, like I 
don't admit easily to not having control over a situation. That could be because you have like a lot of faith in yourself and I don't have faith in myself. Uh, yeah, maybe. I also think like, um, if any of my relatives are listening, it's because I'm a McKay. Uh, it's just sort of like how we are. It's a innate uh, I guess biological thing no, that it's like not. They're just, it's not <laughs> but like it's something we all identify with that we're just like fiercely gotcha. proud people and like yeah yeah I could hear that I could see that yeah it's just how we are what are you gonna do anyway don't pretend it's not a problem except if you if you are losing control um some people worry about asking for help because they worry about the stigma around mental health um or mental illness you worry about admitting something is wrong or you worry about how other people are going to see you but asking for help really is a sign that you want to make a change and that you're ready to take steps towards new health goals and it takes a lot of courage a lot a lot of courage to speak up and and decide that you're ready to make those changes and it's the first step towards getting better um Recovery means different things to different people. So for some people, recovery means being able to go back to the way their life was, like their daily life was before signs of their mental health uh, um, changing or like or um, a mental illness appearing. Appearing? Is that the right word there? Appearing or occurring? Occurring, sure. Yeah. Uh, for other people, it's just learning to live well, to contribute to their community, to build relationships despite the challenge of their mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process. It's not a single end goal. Um, you should build a team. Like we've said a couple of times, it takes a village. Um, know where to look for help. Talk with your supportive friends and family. Share your feelings with them and let them be part of that team. You like no man is an island, mm-hmm. to use another cliche <laughs> right mm-hmm. afterward. Um, talk to your family doctor. They're a great resource and one of the best ways to link you to other more specialized professionals if that's what's needed. Yep. Connect with the community mental health clinic for information, uh, for support or for service delivery like CAMH or Planned Parenthood. Um, for some people, it's helpful to connect with others who have had personal experiences with that mental illness or like the same, like gone through the same um, thing, basically to be able to relate directly to somebody to learn more about their recovery or just to have someone that you feel can listen and like not judge. Um, And that can be really important, especially if you are struggling with feeling shame or like, like fearing stigma, that Mm. can be very helpful. Um, And if you have a faith community, connect with people within that faith community or just like someone you trust within that community. Yeah. Um, My own personal recommendation is to really just let go of that shame because when I've been at my worst, I felt so ashamed and like ashamed of, of needing help, I guess, is a good, again, like I just said, I have issues with admitting that I'm not in control of things. So really ashamed of, of needing help I guess is what I had um that's good that you're I guess that's good that you're I don't know how to say like it's good that you're here to contrast my like complete lack of shame because (laughs) because I'm so like shamelessly a wreck sometimes and I that has really really helped me seek help but um like when you're saying you felt shame about like struggling with things, you know oh, what? Yeah. Maybe it's because I, 
I suffered from depression that I'm like, all of this is nothing like, and struggles are normal or struggles are acceptable. I have that now, but, um, like I'm, I'm at terms with that now. I feel like I've grown up or like not grown up, but like I've, I don't know if I've always been shameless. I don't know. It's hard to think back. I have to say it's hard to think back to what you, or for me, it's hard to think back to how I thought about things before I went through like difficulty. I guess I feel really guilty and I feel badly that I feel this way. Like for example, I mentioned earlier that anger was always an issue for me and I always felt very bad about the fact that I felt that way but it didn't stop me from seeking help because I was like, this is something that I don't like about myself and I want to fix it. I really always felt like I needed to be perfect. Mm. And so um, signs that I wasn't were things that I hid. Oh, with me, I also always wanted to be perfect, but I was like, I can't, I can't hide this anger because it's very obvious to everyone around me. So oh no, it was like a, if it. I'm angry, that's mine to deal with. If I'm um Oh no, I was a door yeah. slammer. I was crazy. I probably slammed some doors and like I certainly told people off, but like I didn't like uh I don't know, like if I if I was having if I had like a uh more than a, a an immediate spat that I was angry about. If it was something like a really something is wrong and like it's a persistent thing, that's not something I ever shared. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but like, let, try to let go of it. <laughs> really fucking hard to, okay, but just gonna, try to let go of just, it. Just gonna throw that in here. Let it go. Oh God. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, guys. No, it's fine. Um, you should. It's it's hard. And when I was like coming out that I was having trouble, um, I was really really scared to talk to my parents about it. Always, forever. If I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna have to talk to somebody about it, my parents are the ones that I'm afraid to talk to about it. Even though I'm an adult now. Um, but my dad made me sit on our front porch and like have a conversation together about it while I'm like bawling my eyes out, which Aww. I hadn't cried in front of him since I was a child. And, um, he said something to me that was not in the moment helpful, (laughs) but helpful Uh walking away from it. I guess that's at least how my dad is. Um, he's not very sensitive or like recognizing of these things that maybe the front porch while you're crying is not the right place to have this heart to heart where the entire neighborhood can see. Um, but, uh, but whatever, that's, that's dad. I love you. That's dad sometimes. Um, but he said to me that he used to care a lot about what people thought about him. And then he eventually realized that people who thought poorly of him were not really people he cared about. Like he didn't care to have them in his life or like he probably didn't think that highly of them either. So he like they just weren't people that he wanted to spend time with so he stopped putting energy towards those sorts of thoughts and it was that eventually stuck with me it was something that was hard to hear and like appreciate at the time because I was in the midst of all of it but I think that's a good thing to remember going forward um I mean, like, don't be a dick to other people. Like, you still have to respect other people and shit like that. But if they're thinking shitty on you, do you really need that in yeah. your life anyway? 
My dad had kind of a similar proverb that also had something to do with like other people and what they thought of you. And so when he was younger, he was, um, he fell really, really ill. Um, and he had to miss a lot of time from school and whatever. So he was in this like kids rehab. That happened to my dad too. Oh my God. They're the same person. They're, we've talked, we've talked about this before. They're the same person. How old was he? Oh, I don't know. But he was like in elementary school. Like nine? That's freaky. <laughs> uh, so he was they, it an unexplained illness? I can't remember. Oh, because they Probably. I don't think there was ever a name for what my dad was going through, but he was just really sick for a really long time. No, I think my dad had like appendicitis and it like burst or something. Oh shit. Okay. I think. I could be lying. Well, well. He probably will Glad he's okay now. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's alive and kicking and stubborn as hell. Um, but what his what he always said was um, they, well, they had this like group that they'd talk in, like all the kids would sit together and whatever. And there was an exercise where he was supposed to write on a piece. They were all supposed to write on a piece of paper what they thought somebody else was thinking about them. Whoa. Yeah. And so, um, my dad wrote like a list of like negative things or like big things or whatever. And all the other kids like didn't really say anything specific they're like he has black hair or whatever and so he's like what you think people notice they don't notice and people don't actually notice anything about others or like not notice anything but like people don't actually care about your shortcomings as much as you do do, or as much as you think you do and like you don't impact people that way that much so like it's kind of like a I guess the way I'm phrasing it is like negative, like you don't matter to other people, but like No, that's also, not what it means. It just means like don't read so much into yeah. don't put so much energy into what other people think of you, especially not if you're going through trouble. Like yeah. at that is a time to focus on what you think of you and getting that to a good place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so some things that worked for me. So I uh, struggled with an eating disorder for several years. I was like 18 or so when it started, and I'll let you know when it's totally gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, probably like around 21, 22-ish is when it started to phase out, and I started to get better control of myself. Um, but something that worked for me, I had tried different counseling, and it uh, wasn't really effective. It didn't really give me anything to work with, uh, and so it was... That's when I was angry. I was a real bitch for about two or three years. I was, yeah, not not a very nice person, I don't think. Um, ruined a lot of relationships, hurt a lot of feelings. Sorry uh, to everyone. Um, but um, She's like, sorry. <laughs> no, no, Whatever. honestly, sorry. There are some yeah. people that I'm not sorry to because uh, it was truly how I was feeling. But there are some people who it wasn't fair. Um, but something that worked for me, and again, didn't really feel like it was working for me in the moment. It was kind of just something I did. And I don't know that I was consciously doing it because I thought it would help. I had a diary, like I had a journal for a long, long time. And I didn't write in it that frequently. But what I started doing was when I was like, really, really fucking sad, and like, really depressed and really having a hard time with it, like I would write about how I felt like I would just gush all of my terrible, sad, awful feelings about myself. And when I was really angry, either angry again at myself or at other people, I would write my like really true, really angry feelings down in this book. And then when I would have, um, 
I guess you'd call them like moments of clarity or moments of compassion towards myself because uh, I was definitely worse to myself <laughs> through all of this than I was to any other person. But yeah. um, I would read back through it and I would write good things to myself. And that was like That's a... That's really sweet. Yeah. It was like, it was sad to find it years later and read through it and be like, oh my God, like that was a period of time, eh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a good way to like build resiliency, like to, to identify good things, to identify bad things, to just like go easy on yourself. Like just, you don't, for me, especially, like I said, perfectionism was a big thing mm -hmm. and like losing control. So learning to be compassionate and take it easy on myself was an important part of me gaining resilience yeah that's that's a big thing to share thank, thank hey, you no problem <laughs> um also i will say planned parenthood is an incredible organization i did eventually find counseling through their organization their toronto office mm -hmm. um you've mentioned yeah i was on a wait list for a very long time i signed up and it was like 11 months later that i finally got it but actually that was an important thing too i identified that I needed help and that I was out of control and that I wasn't going to do it on my own. And I asked for help and it was going to be 11 months and that sucked, but I put my name on the list anyway. You do what you gotta. And honestly, a lot of things changed. By the time my name came up, the things I was feeling when I signed up were not things I was feeling anymore. I uh, it's funny you mentioned that you got kicked out of school. I dropped out of school <laughs> and like started focusing on like what I needed to focus on and, and mm -hmm. like kind of reining things back, getting back, bringing everything back to super, super basics and simple, simple things. And uh, yeah, by the time I got counseling, I had a lot more clarity. I was, it was much more effective because I had already started working. Sorting through your own shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, by the time I got called, I knew what I wanted to talk about when I walked into that office, as opposed to when I signed up where I was like, all I know is I need help. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with the rest of it. So incredible organization. I don't know that it's still the same, but if you go to them and sign up, you will probably be on a wait list. But it was a year if I had, I only used them for about four or five months. I went every week. I had a year. I could have gone to them for a year That's of awesome. free counseling. You you have to wait, but it was worth the wait for sure. For myself, when I was kicked out of school, there was a lot of feelings of anger towards myself. And I felt like I failed myself because I was always really ambitious. I was always like kind of a type A kid. Yeah. So when I was, when I was suffering from depression and it, because school was just overwhelming and I didn't know how to cope and I was used to getting straight A's without having to study and all of a sudden I have to study and manage my own time and all this bullshit and I had feelings of failure and I had originally signed up to go to therapy because I wanted somebody to help me stop being a failure um, and I wanted somebody to be like because I I was just so mad at myself. I was mad at myself that I didn't have time management. I was mad at myself that I was a shitty student. I was mad at myself that I failed, right? Yeah. Like, that I got kicked out. And like by the time I finally got back into school and had done a lot of that work on my own and then finally qualified, well, not qualified, but like because I'm school, if you're in college or university, there's a lot of free counseling services yeah don't neglect services. them yeah they're so useful so I finally got in to see a therapist or a counselor 
Um, and she, no lie, she was fucking terrible. <laughs> she made me feel really bad and really judged. That's awful. But one thing that she did say was, you are not alone. This is something that, like, this is normal. Like, I told her all my feelings, like, about self-hatred and how I didn't get out of bed in the morning. And I watched the entire season, like, the entire series of Mad Men while eating expired Halloween candy instead of going to my exams. And I was, like, I just told her all of, like, the realness. Um, and I felt kind of judged because she was just, like, mm and writing down on a piece of paper and not really, like, paying attention and present. But she, she did say, you know, like, you're not alone. And that, just that, like, this is normal or like, I've seen this before. Like that for me was enough to be like validated. Yeah. And then I went on to actually get like my learning abilities check tested. And it turns out that I was diagnosed with ADHD. And also I have like borderline retarded math processing. Like I can't process math in my head. So like whenever I do math, I always say it. Like I'm always talking to myself to keep myself focused and like I can't hold it in my brain. Hmm. But something that helped hide that in school was the fact that I'm uh, actually like genius level in English and grammar and stuff like that. Like, Which is why you didn't, why it wasn't identified until so much later in life. Yeah, because I just like, you mask it, right? Like you have extreme strengths in other areas and extreme weaknesses in other areas, whatever, every... pretty sure everybody is like this like everybody has strengths and areas and weaknesses in other areas but for me just the validation of like going and somebody saying like you're not alone gave me the strength I needed to seek the help in other areas yeah Yeah. and so I was like okay well I'm not an idiot like it's actually because it literally takes me way longer to read a textbook and like I can't stay focused on a textbook because that's just not the way I learn And and like is so validating. That doesn't mean anything about your intellectual abilities. It just means that you have trouble focusing on a textbook. Yeah. And so I I don't know if I've mentioned, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this, that I have like feelings about the label of ADHD. Yes, you right. have mentioned this. Yeah. At least to me, I'm pretty sure you've mentioned it on a recording. Yeah, yeah. probably. But like it, it was mixed feelings. So I felt validated like, okay, this isn't something that is just like wrong with me or like this isn't something that I'm doing to myself that I should be able to get over. It's like actually a thing. Right. But also I was like, oh, but I don't want to have a thing. Like I don't want that stigma. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. Right. I was like, I never thought there was anything wrong with me. And now I'm like, yay, there's something. It's a double-edged sword, eh? In some ways, it is really important to have a label assigned to what you are feeling and, like, understanding that it's not just something wrong with your head, that, like, this has a label, this has an understanding, I'm not alone. But at the same time, as soon as something has a label, it is a thing that's wrong. And you all can build uh, fears around that. Yeah. Like worry about stigma around that or like, especially with ADHD. Yeah. 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 So it's just, I like that you mentioned that like by the time you had finally gotten the therapy, like even just signing up for therapy was therapy in itself. And like, it was the first step. Yeah. It was like an admission that I needed to work on some shit. And And I wasn't going to sit around for 12 months not working on it because I'm a perfectionist. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm in therapy right now, even though I feel like probably mentally, like my mental health is the best that it's been. Um, And it's, I still love my therapist. She's the greatest. I actually would really like to be besties with her. Um, 
I really liked the fantastic amount of distance that I had with my therapist at Planned Parenthood. (laughs) But that's me. She was a really good woman. I loved her. I thought like only good things of her, but I was very glad that she was a complete stranger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone I would never see anywhere else. Oh, yeah. And that's the same thing with my therapist. Like I would never, I want to be besties with her, but like not now that she knows all my stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to (laughs) stop rambling. So my segment that I'm going to be talking about is helping other people with their mental health or how to be a good support system or how to be part of their social network. So as Megan said, like you kind of are responsible for your own mental health, like a lot of it. So and part of your own your responsibility is to build a system around you. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, as part of the system, try to just be a supportive person don't try to fix the person's like other people's problems for them. So my first thing that I'm going to say is do not should on people. So it sounds like do not shit on people, but do not should on them. So that had so much immediate impact. Megan's eyes like (laughs) shot open. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. It had immediate impact on me. I hate when people tell me what I should be fucking doing. Yeah. So for example, um, like if your friend is in a bad relationship, um, don't say you should leave him, but help instead provide an empathetic ear, listen, always validate your friend's emotions and feelings. Don't ever be, don't ever be like, oh, you're lying or whatever. And I would also say like, um, like be interested, listen, yeah. ask questions yeah. and, uh, not yes or no questions, ask open-ended questions yeah. and let that friend Put it into their words. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's actually something. So I'm everything that I'm talking about today or like now is pulled from the training for the helpline. Oh, sweet. sweet. Yeah. So that's one of the things is like it's called complimentary curiosity. So if somebody specifically if somebody comes to you and they're in crisis and they're looking for help, uh, complimentary curiosity is something that's really good. So if somebody says, help, I have been a drug addict in the past and I just relapsed and I'm so mad at myself, I'm going to commit suicide, whatever. Well, not whatever, but uh, the, sorry, you know what I mean? Um, so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so it, you could be like, okay, well, that's amazing that you've been clean before. How did you do that? Or how did you cope before? Or what's something that you did? So like, it's a question, but also building on their own strengths so that they can... It's pointing out that like, they did go through this before and and were successful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really clever. Yeah. They can build their own strengths. Um, The something I would caution though, when your friend is coming to you, like complaining about something, try to just stay in the empathy phase and try to just you know, be empathetic and be supportive. Don't necessarily try to immediately go into like the whole strength building and solution focused kind of model because they might not be there yet. They might just want to vent. That's fair. So something like this might sound a little hokey, but something that I've asked before is like, how can I be the most supportive for you? So like sometimes I'll be complaining to my mom or whatever or my dad and they'll start immediately providing me with suggestions and I'll be like, I understand that you guys want to help me and that the answers seem clear to you. I've thought of these answers myself. I would just like to vent. Right. So I really appreciate it when somebody asks me that question, too. I ask like, OK, would you like tough love or would you like like I don't know. I just it sounds hokey, but people will tell you like I just want to vent or like, yes, I do want advice or I want guidance or whatever then. 
provide what they need. Well, and I think, again, it goes back to asking the question as opposed to immediately giving the answer when, like, you haven't given that person an opportunity to, like, speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, like, don't immediately dive into suggestions. Let them talk through their own suggestions. It's not like you don't think of these things. Exactly. It's so infuriating when you go and you're talking to somebody about a problem. They're like, well, you should just do this. And it's like, could you no stop shooting on da, me? I should do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you I'm having this problem in spite of the fact that I should do this thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the empathy is really important. Um, and then if you can, or if somebody's coming to you, like if it's a helpline kind of situation, like somebody's calling you with a crisis, uh, the first approach is the empathy or the first stage is the empathy phase. So build rapport and trust. So ask them questions, be genuinely interested, um, and genuinely like join them in their feelings. Don't just be like, wow, it must suck down there. But instead just be like, it, like make them feel like you're there with them. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, the next thing is goal setting state, goal setting phase. So instead of focusing on like what's wrong or like what's the issue or like how did this happen or whatever, say instead what's wanted. So what do you want from this? Like instead of and try to make sure that when they're saying like, for example, if this is an extreme example, but like a husband is beating a wife, don't say like when you say what's wanted if she says, I want him to stop beating me, that's a negative, like, that's not a, not a negative, but it's not like a, asking for something to stop isn't the same as asking for something to start or for something to improve. Yeah. So like, I would, I would love for my husband to respect me. That gives you something to work on. Right. Or like, I would love for my husband to use his words instead of his fists or something like that. That's, that gives you something to build on, to work on rather than I want him to stop hitting me because there's like, that doesn't give you an open pathway to a goal. Yeah. It's close ended. Yeah. 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 Um, and then goal striving phase strategies for taking action. So, uh, there's a acronym. Wow. Work on what's working. Uh, and even if it's tiny, right? Like if somebody comes to you in a crisis and they have just the tiniest little thing, like this morning I washed my hands and I haven't showered in weeks, but I washed my hands or something like that. Like focus on that. Like, pick up the tiniest little like positives and try to build on those. Um, try not to be artificial about it, but try to focus on those things. Or like in the example of a drug addict who relapsed, uh, if they also say like, I'm afraid because I don't know what I'm going to be doing, what I'm going to do with my dog Emerald be like, okay, tell me more about Emerald. Like, why does this matter to you? Whatever. And then that helps build strategies for taking action. Yeah. Um, I want to, interject and add a little bit here not to give any names or or like make these people known but I I know someone who was really really good at that work on what's working tactic and I know that it really helped someone come out of a very very dark place nice. um where like the the person who was who was living with that struggle um like had to move in with this person they like they couldn't keep work, couldn't find work. Um, anyway, the, what the very helpful person did was those sorts of things where it would be like, do you think you could, do you think you could walk to the end of the driveway? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could do that. Okay, great. That's more steps than you took today. Yeah. Do you think we could walk to the store together? Great. 
that's more steps than we took. If Do you think when, when they got to a point where they had a job or they had a job interview or something like that, it was like, you know, panic inducing, they would start, you know, getting back into that. And it would just be, do you think you could drive there? Yeah. Or like, what's something you think you could do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it just sort of, it doesn't have to be all of these things. Like it can be the little things. It doesn't yeah. have to be getting through the major hurdles or the major obstacles or obstacles. It's, it's, um, important to recognize, especially if somebody is really, really struggling minute things are a mountain. And so it's really important to recognize those small achievements because they are achievements and that means a lot to that person. Yeah. Yeah. And ask them to point them out too. Yeah. Because it pulls them out of a negative thought spiral. So if somebody's like complaining or like going, talking, like freaking out more and more about a situation, be like, if it's, if it's your friend calling you back, be like, okay, well, since the last time we talked, what's better? Yeah. Like what's improved? Yeah. (coughs) Or tell me about a time that things weren't so dark. What was different then? That sort of thing. So like even just like focusing them to or forcing them to like say one positive thing takes them like knocks them out of that negative spiral and then build on that one thing. Um, Here I'm going to take a even more serious turn. Uh, Something that really does require or uh, something that requires finesse i guess and knowledge is suicide intervention so um something that we learned is not to use the word commit suicide because the word commit uh suggests that it's a crime and that oh wow yeah and it just like builds on the stigma of suicide and part of the biggest problems with suicide is that there is a stigma about it and people don't ask about it people don't talk about it So if you think that your friend or your loved one is considering suicide, ask them, are you considering suicide? Or on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to make an attempt on your life today? Get them to rate it. If they're a 10, like for example, for the helpline, they mentioned that if this person's a 10, they're likely already a commit or an attempt in process. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at that point we call the cops. Um, and you have to tell the person that you're calling the cops. Don't just surprise them with it. Um, but yeah, you have to ask them, like, are you thinking of killing yourself? Because that even just getting that question out there and having them say, yes, I am considering it. Like th- now they're talking about it. And that's already the first step. And it's like usually the hardest step. Yeah. Like, for example, there's that Netflix show, um, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's on my list. I have feelings about it. So it kind of blames the people around the girl for the reasons that she um, takes an attempt on her life. But um, a, nobody asks her. That's that's the one. The, sorry. The, the feelings that I have about it is that it blames everybody else. And it kind of also glorifies, not glorifies, but like it just... I don't like the way that it talks about suicide. Or I don't like the way that it looks at it. But... There were um, would you say signs. it romanticizes? Yes. Okay, because I have very similar feelings about lots of other things where it like you've romanticized, like the Charles Manson murders, like you've Ugh. romanticized uh, and and glorified like what is really a horrible thing, and mm-hmm. like it, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So I don't like it in that sense. Like it's kind of Hollywoody, but mm-hmm. also. 
it does show you that like for example teens have higher risk of feeling this way because they haven't had the chance to develop the coping skills that adults have um and so the girl in this particular show hasn't had a chance to develop coping skills with things that seem trivial to an adult and also nobody asked her nobody talked to her about it like she went to go see a therapist and the therapist or the the school counselor like didn't believe her and didn't validate her feelings Hmm. Um, and nobody asked her are you considering taking your life are you thinking about taking your life that could be the life-saving question just put it out into the open you're not putting the idea of suicide into somebody's head if you think that they're already considering it just fucking ask that i don't know it gave me goosebumps when we talked about it like in um in your training in training yeah there's uh if somebody is considering suicide the recommend that they get help they find help them find services that could help them calling a distress center is a good place to go um there's resources for them build try to build a verbal contract so if somebody's already started the process so um Like first, when they say, yes, I'm considering suicide, Uh, I'm considering taking my life today, ask them, okay, uh, like the scaling question. So if they say I'm a nine, be like, okay, are you safe right now? Right. Like establish their safety. That's the most important thing. So if they've already taken pills, be like, I'm going to be calling the police right now. Is that okay? Or can you tell me any more information? Can I please help you? Whatever. If they're in the process and they haven't actually like committed or not committed, they haven't actually like started, begun their attempt. So if they have like, if they're just cutting or if they're sitting with the pills, but they haven't actually taken them yet, be like, can you do me a favor and just put the knife in another room? Or can you put the pills in the washroom? Is anybody around you? That sort of thing. Um, And then if you do end up building rapport with them, if you're able to build rapport, develop a contract. So be like, for the next hour, uh, what can we do so that you survive the next hour, right? Like what can we do to stay alive for the next hour? What can we do to stay alive for the next week? What do you need to do? Um, can you promise me that you'll give me a call back in a week or something like that? Um, also something important to mention. Sorry, I want to interrupt you. Um, what are, is it anonymous? Um, and by that, I mean, is your name anonymous to the person you talk to on the other end or can they call you Marta? Uh, no, we use, um, aliases oh okay okay yeah i just feel like um it might be really helpful to the person on the other end of the line to have a name to attribute to that voice they get a name yeah um and it could be whatever alias we want but it is an alias and that's for the safety of the workers at the helpline yeah um like for example i'm not allowed to disclose our location ever like the location is a secret um yeah what was I saying? Oh, okay. So if you are, if you know somebody who is thinking of taking an attempt on their life, that's a big burden for you to take on as well. There are trained professionals for this. So if that's not something that you're able to handle, try to be empathetic and be like, I care for you very deeply. Like, I would like to help you. Are you okay if I help you find some resources so that we can get you professional help because this isn't something I can handle. Like be upfront, be honest, don't set unrealistic expectations. And like, I've had a friend in my life who has threatened suicide multiple times and I ended up having to end my friendship with her because it was just too much for me. And it got, I, I actually got like irrationally angry about it because 
she was probably suffering from depression or living with depression, but I kept, I was getting mad cause I was like, I feel like you're just threatening it emptily. And I started not taking her comments seriously after a while. And she like never a cry wolf situation. Yeah. She never did end up actually attempting. She just kept talking about it, but in the end she got the help that she needed. So <coughs> she's doing better now from good. what I hear. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So anyway, that's a very, very serious way to turn on it, but be, I think it's a very realistic thing to talk about. Yeah. Be the support that people need. If you can be, um, if it gets too serious for you and you cannot handle it, don't, don't just ignore it. Try to get them the help they need somewhere else. And that's it. And my throat is drying out. So goodness. It's also getting to be like very, very late. (laughs) So we need to, we do kind of need to wrap up. Um, I, I wanted to just sort of close off with, um, Uh, resources, information for helplines and suicide prevention. Um, So some general suggestions if you're in Canada. uh, Obviously, as we've mentioned a few times, a family doctor is a good resource and and that can be your first step for searching for help. Um, Also, Canadian Mental Health Association is a national organization that um, promotes mental health for everyone and supports like resilience and recovery of people experiencing mental illness. They do not provide direct mental health services or support. So what you should do is contact your local CMHA for more information about mental health programs and services near you. Um, You can go to cmha.ca forward slash find hyphen your hyphen CMHA. We'll post that link in the description. Um, you like, I think you type in your postal code or your city name or something like that. And they'll, they'll show you the the nearest locations. Um, if you're in Ontario, the Ontario mental health helpline, 1-866-531-2600 or mentalhealthline.ca. No, sorry, mentalhealthhelpline.ca, pardon me. Uh, Also, as we've mentioned uh, in this episode, and I think in the last one as well, CAMH, Center for Addiction and Mental Health, um, uh, really incredible organization and excellent resource. Um, They're, I think, in Ontario, but even just their website is a really good resource for finding uh, good suggestions and and finding resources near you or just kind of knowing what to look for. Um, Also, CAMH... Uh, has a phone-based service called Access CAMH that provides information and resources to individuals and their families on mental health, addiction, uh, and um, how families can access services for their family members or for their friends. Um, So you can call Access CAMH for mental health and addiction information. Um, I think you can also go through their website. Um, um, uh, and, and you can do a lot, like if you do phone them, you can do a lot in that first call. Most patients that are looking for help with drugs, alcohol, or other addictions will be scheduled for their per- first appointment within that first phone call that oh, they make shit. to that, that helpline. Um, if you are in the, the Ontario or, or Toronto, 416-535-8501 and select option two for access cam H. Um, if you're in the United States, Again, family doctor, or for general information on mental health or to find local treatment services, you can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, S-A-M-H-S-A, their treatment and referral helpline. It's 1-800-662-HELP, 
and the numbers for help are 4357. Um, they also have a website uh, with a behavioral health treatment services locator that you can use to search for treatment information by your address, city, or zip code. Uh, you can also visit the National Institute for Mental Health's Help and Mental Illnesses webpage for more information and resources. And we'll put the link for that one because it's a little longer. We'll put, put the link for that one in the, uh, in the description of this episode. Uh, if you're in crisis... Call the Nash, uh, pardon me, call the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're available. Um, it's it's available network. to anyone, yeah, and it's, and it's confidential. Um, if you're thinking of harming yourself or if you're thinking about attempting suicide, um, tell someone who can help you right away. Call your licensed mental health professional if you're working with one. Call your family doctor. Go to the nearest hospital or emergency department. Um, if you know a loved one who is considering this, don't leave them alone. Try to get them to seek help immediately from, again, a doctor or the nearest emergency option. Call 911 uh, and remove access to uh, potentially harmful tools. So like firearms, knives, pills, anything like that. Um, uh, remove remove access to it if you can. Uh, yeah. So did you have any other resources that you wanted to list? Those were the ones that I had ready. I don't have any resources. I just wanted to say like even in cases not as serious as suicide, Talk to your friends, ask them, Yeah. ask them how they're doing. Boys, especially talk to your buddies, be like, Hey dude, you just went through a breakup. How you doing? Or you just lost that big game that mattered a lot to you. How yeah. Be going? that friend who asks because yeah. it's really hard to be the person going through it and ask for help. And if someone does that, don't be the friend who like, is like, Oh, get over it. Like, yeah, listen, genuine, talk, ask care. questions, be genuine. Yes. Be genuine. Yeah. yeah. We've all gone through shit. Don't pretend that you haven't. Like, help a help a brother out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a sister, or a sister, or you know, whoever. Um, be there. Um, so I think that's it for this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody for listening. We hope this was helpful. Um, it was a little blue. We apologize. Well, no, I don't really apologize for that, but. Um, Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, again, as always, it's been very cool to have everybody along for the ride. Please keep listening, subscribing, sharing, rating, reviewing. Uh, yeah, we're very new on iTunes right now. Yeah, so we are. Please, yeah. please, please, if you feel like sharing information about us anywhere or like sharing your opinions of us. Yeah, tell us what you iTunes. think. Tell us what you think. Oh, you know, we, we've been getting some feedback and have been trying to put all of that feedback into action as quickly as we can. So, you know, at, at whatever your thoughts, if you have suggestions, uh, ideas for us in terms of things you want us to cover, let us know. You can follow us on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, who knew we didn't at any of these places or email who knew we didn't at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. All right. See you guys. Thanks everybody. And uh, talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.